What is up, everybody? We are live here in the junkyard. I am your host, Junkyard James. We got a stacked episode for you. Let's get going here on the junkyard. Like I said, we got a stacked episode for you, and I am pleased to be joined by host of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast and self-proclaimed member of the casual wrestling community himself, Mr. Randall Beatley. How are you doing today, sir? Doing well. And so I... I wanted to start this show to kind of give an explanation for some things that I said on, was it Tuesday, I think, this week, about Kenny Omega, which, greatest theme song, you heard it in the intro, and Will Ospreay, some things I said earlier this week, and an uh, example that I used and how I think some people misunderstood my representation of what I am trying to say. And then let you be the, the spokesman for your team, for your side. And see if what you have to say on that end. We also are going to get into some AEW things. And I have a new, new series that I'm going to introduce this week that I would like to get some input on you far from you as well so let's get going here so the the comments that i i stated or were about essentially a video was put on tiktok that i just randomly scrolled upon it was hit my for you page about kenny omega will osprey and how as fans of wrestling we should want more safety for the wrestlers and I made the um, example or the um, comparison of safety for wrestlers and, and, and telling wrestlers how to do their job. And I used the example of a customer telling a plumber how to do their job. And I think the, the example was misconstrued or maybe there was a misunderstanding between both sides. Um, because uh, the podcast that this guy runs, he he mentioned he he brought up my example and mentioned something about if the plumber came in using dynamite to blow up the toilet, would we not tell that plumber that he's being dangerous? And and my example was not in reference to safety, but rather we're not professionals in the wrestling industry. We are just fans. And and so my illustration was disregarding the safety aspect. Of course, if a plumber was to blow up your toilet and your piping to replace it and he used a stick of dynamite, obviously you would want to stop him 
my illustration is we are not plumbers. Therefore, what I was trying to get to is if the plumber said the toilet needed to be replaced and us as the homeowner wanting to save money or whatever it may be, said, told the plumber, let's find another way to get this clog fixed. You're basically saying we're not the professional in the wrestling industry. Let the professionals do what the professionals do best, what they do every single day. Let them do their job. And so I just wanted to start this off by kind of clarifying that. I wasn't mentioning that example in terms of safety, but in an overall general perspective that we can't make wrestling 100% safe. There's always that assumption of risk. And so as fans, our job is not necessarily to tell the wrestlers how to do the moves, how to book a match, how to do their job. In the same light that we shouldn't be telling plumbers how to do their job. Care to re respond, sir? Well, first, absolutely. First off, the podcast he's mentioning, uh, just to give a shout out, that way you guys can go and watch it yourself, is the casual wrestling community show you can find it on youtube at casual on the casual community show it's run by notorious nerdy d he is on tiktok you can go find it's where all his videos are um his point in his podcast is if your if your point wasn't the safety issue then your 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 illustration your story that you told about the plumber was arguing a different issue because we're talking about safety. We want wrestling to be safe. Yes, there's an assumption of risk. But the assumption of risk comes in, I'm going to do a suplex. Standard move for wrestling. I'm going to do a suplex. Everyone does it. The assumption of risk is, you know, if something goes wrong here, I may get hurt. That's fine. The problem comes in is when you have someone like Osprey, who has a move that accelerates the risk and, and and raises it from being just the assumption of risk to an unnecessary risk. Another example, and this is all promotions, ladder spots. Most of the time, they're not needed. These table spots, a lot of the time, they're not needed. That Does that mean they're not always necessary? Does that not mean they're interesting at some point? Sure. The second point that I want to state is, is your point of let the professionals do what the professionals do only seems to be said by people about the wrestling industry. If I was a chef, you walked into my restaurant and I sent out bad food, you would complain about it. If I, you know, let's just even take it. I'm a New England Patriots fan. The Patriots were butt last year. I'm not a football player, but if I was at the game against Vegas and I saw Jacoby Myers throw the ball backwards to Chandler Jones on the other team, yeah, I'm going to tell Jacoby Myers, you're a dumbass, you, and that's a bad play. I've never played football a day in my life. Should I just let the pros do what the pros do? or can right? The problem is, is this only seems to be the argument for wrestling. 
I don't have to lace up a pair of boots to understand how to put on a good match. And, and, and what annoys me is this gatekeeping in the IWC, in the, in the boys in the back, who say only the only people who can critique people's moveset and critique people's wrestling are those who have done it. If you've never done it, you can't critique it. That only works in wrestling. It's only used in wrestling. We have movie critics for a reason. We have food critics for a reason. We sit and watch ESPN and Fox Sports all day long about adults who have never played the game or most of them who have never played the game critiquing the game. So why can't we talk about football in the, or talk about wrestling in this way? That, that's my response to that. At the end of the day, we just want wrestling to be safe. There is no amount of money. There is no pop. There is no fan excitement that is worth your life or your, your career or your life after your career when you're 50 or 60 years old. I don't want Kenny Omega, and we're going to use him for an example. I don't want him in a wheelchair at 50 years old because the dumbass thought that he had to do these these moves that compressed his spine when he already has vertigo, when he already has had to take time off for numbness in his shoulders and arm. Ultimately, and I always have to bring it back to this point, who's the fucking boss in this company? Oh, it's Tony Khan. I don't know. Maybe your biggest star and someone you, you say you care about in the industry, you wouldn't allow him to go out there and potentially risk his entire life to do a move where no matter you can say he landed on his shoulder. Either way, he's compressing the spine. It's a risk that does not need to be take, taken. And just like Notorious Nerdy D said, at, at one point in history, we thought the Gladiator games was entertaining. And then at some point, we understood, hmm, maybe watching people literally kill themselves and fight to the death, maybe that human toll isn't, isn't going to, to last for human survival maybe we should not watch this and so that's the point he was trying to make and and to use your plumber analogy if the plumber said we have to replace the toilet and i catch him doing it wrong it's not me saying i'm better than you it's hey i understand a little bit of how this works you're doing it wrong that and and this is the right way to do it it's not me saying I'm a professional. It's just I kind of understand how pipes work. And if it's a clog, you don't blow the damn toilet up. You, there's a way to do it without. And so that's the point he was trying to make. And so I guess my biggest issue with that take is, one, there's this assumption that there's actually a, a – a real courtesy for actually caring about this wrestler, wrestlers in particular, and their health. Because look at, I have not yet once seen anybody criticize the WWE in terms of literally letting wrestlers go out there drugged up on whatever the fuck with a staph infection, and I'm talking about CM Punk, 
to the point that he's literally defecating on himself in the middle of the ring on a match. No one criticized WWE for their health or risking the health of Punk at that at that moment in time, nor in okay. any time okay. so since then. Off, so first off, why are we going back 10 years? I understand. Maybe the health protocol has changed in 10 years. No one's saying WWE is perfect. This is the issue that, that the casual fans have about the IWC. They always try to make it this sort of gang warfare. I, 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 yes, AEW is the spot we're talking about here. But yeah, WWE isn't perfect. And, and and to bring up CM Punk, sure, maybe WWE should have done better in treating his 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 staff infection. No one's no one's denying that, but it, it almost seems like the goalposts always get moved. If once we critique AEW, all of a sudden now we have to go back ten years and and critique WWE's handling of certain injuries. WWE hasn't been perfect. We all know this. Shit, they allowed a spot that sh probably shouldn't have happened just last week. There, there were two spots, three spots that I could think of off the top of my head that probably should not have happened. Logan Paul and Ricochet, first off, they need to stop showing the fucking bots. I don't understand why they keep showing that shit on TV. But number two, Selena Vega and Zoe Stark, there was no fucking point to that move. And then Trish and... Trish taking the uh, whatever the fuck Becky's uh, slam on the on the ladder that didn't need to happen. It added nothing to the match. So all companies are just as guilty for doing this. But to sit here and say, "Oh, you're critiquing AEW in a specific in a specific setting in a specific match," now because I'm critiquing AEW, I have to critique WWE in the same breath. I just don't understand that logic. Well. It's not that you're critiquing AEW overall. It's that it seems like the majority of the critique the last three years has been towards AEW, while WWE gets away with basically whatever they want for the for the most part, for the most part. Can and 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 so I, I want to bring it up to another point that you mentioned that you're you you want to make sure that Omega or or whoever Osprey whoever. Isn't in a wheelchair in the last in the last later parts of their career. Hulk Hogan had had hip problems for years now. I think he's had both hips replaced because of the his finishing move, the leg drop, the simplest move in wrestling, does a lot of damage to your body. So are we supposed to ban the leg drop because it does damage to the body? The point the point I think I was trying to make is that. They are signing up to be pro wrestlers. They know the toll that it's going to take on their body. Shit, the WWE puts do not try this at home in their video games because it's they there is a risk to doing the stuff that they do. And so in my in my opinion, they're entertainers. Are we are we to stop telling are we to start telling stunt doubles that they have to not do risky moves for movies. There's no difference except that wrestling is a live stunt done with stunt doubles that act that are the actors in the show at the same time. There's no stunt doubles. They're the they do the stunts themselves. So is there any point or at what point do we say 
you know what? Maybe maybe for this James Bond movie, we shouldn't we 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 should tone down the 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 scene, or we should tone down the stunts. At what point there? If if you care about one, then where, the, where the does problem the line is, go? The problem is is, is is there is a difference. Most stunts in movies now are done on set in a air conditioned room on a green on a green ski green. We don't have people jumping off of thirty foot fucking buildings to land on a car. We're not doing that shit. It's just not happening. It's a lot of it is CGI and green screen. And so, is there a risk being a stunt double? Absolutely, but there's a risk in anything that you do. the The point that we're trying to, to get is is when 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 is it enough to say okay that move it may have entertained me for the cheap you got the cheap pop but if omega would have broke his neck there let's just say the worst of the worst happened and omega broke his neck and could never wrestle again is that cheap pop enough for you to to justify seeing what you would consider one of the greatest wrestlers of all time not be able to wrestle again. I don't care what he, what, what the wrestlers, you got to understand the wrestling business. They're going to do whatever it takes for them to get over so that they don't lose their place. If, if, if mankind, if Mick Foley came to me and said, I think I want to jump off the cage again. I'm sorry. As if I'm his boss, I'm saying, no, it's not fucking happening. It's not worth the risk. Even if he thinks he can do it perfectly, it's not happening. If edge, with his history of wrestling wants to come to me and say, I want to have a retirement match against so-and-so let's say edge leaves and leaves WWE, but he's not ready to retire. He wants to have one more match edge and Christian versus the Hardys. So he signs with AEW and he goes to Tony Khan and says, I want my retirement match to be a ladder match. Christian and edge versus the Hardys. Tony Khan would do it because that's just the guy he is. But if I was Tony Khan, I would say, no, dude, because that's what caused your neck injuries to begin with. You've had, you had matches with the Dudleys and the Hardys where you were jumping off of ladders doing stupid shit for no fucking reason. And then you're going to sit here and be like, oh, I broke my neck or I have neck problems. Well, of course you're fucking going to have neck problems when you're jumping off of ladders every fucking week. It's stuff like that where it, it's not needed for the overall entertainment. And I, as a fan, I don't want to see someone get hurt, no matter what I'm watching, in football. Because I know eventually someone's going to bring up, well, what about football players? You can't take tackling out of football. Yeah, but if someone gets hit in the head, they get pulled off the field, and, and they have to clear a protocol before they can play again. We don't have that in wrestling. And as a fan of... Oh, oh, uh, let me stop you there. Tony Khan will not... Adam Cole is a proof. He wanted to go back in the ring, but he was not medically cleared, and Tony Khan would not let him back for, I think, nine months. Willow Nightingale was supposed to wrestle tonight. She's not medically cleared. She's not wrestling tonight. They're postponing storyline to make sure that she's healthy enough to compete in the in the Owen Hart Memorial whatever Britt Baker was sick. He Tony Khan let her take the day off. They postponed her match a week. And so they're postponing actual storylines for the safety of the rest. So if he does that, so why does he allow 
his number one guy. Let's just let's just be honest. Kenny Omega is probably the number one guy in the in, in the company, who who has repeatedly for the last three years, and has gone on record saying that he had had to relearn how to wrestle in a spinning ring because he had vertigo, which means he has a a back compression in some way, shape, or form. He's going to chiropractors. There is some, a pinched nerve. There's something causing numbness in his arms. He can't lift more than 45 pounds, at least when the article was written, which to me, if I was told by Tony Khan, hey, you're welcome to AEW. You're going to wrestle Kenny Omega, but he can only lift 45 pounds. I'm walking out of the building and saying I'm not doing it because it's not safe. And so why does he allow this guy who has had a history of problems already take this spot? So Kenny Omega is going to say, Kenny Omega, no matter what condition he's in, is going to say, I I, I can do it. I've done it before. It's not going to be a problem. At the end of the day, Tony Khan, this is my biggest problem with Tony Khan. He does not have the balls to, to say to his employees, no, you're not doing it. I don't care how much you want to do it. At the end of the day, it's because he's a mark with money who is playing Tony's playground, and he just wants to see Osprey versus Omega kill themselves in the ring. But I think everybody knows that Tony Khan isn't in the business to be a a corporate Vince McMahon lookalike who's going to tell everybody no. But he's the CEO. At a, at the end of the day, you're you're a company. You can't just let your employees go out and kill themselves. There's a reason certain moves have been banned from the WWE for liability reasons. Tony Khan needs to put on the CEO hat and start being a dickhead to some of these people. That way the roster can respect them. At this point, if I was hired by AEW, and let me be honest with you, if AEW offered me a contract, as much as I kind of don't like the company, I'm signing a contract with them because Tony Khan can pay well. But I'm not going to respect that motherfucker. He's done nothing to earn respect from his locker room. Why would I respect him? He lets everyone walk over him. He needs to be the boss. He 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 assumes the role he of, of doing. If you're the CEO, Tony Khan, if you're in charge, you have to be in charge. You can't just sit there and be buddy buddy with everyone. That's not how you manage. At one point, you're going to have to say no. You can't do that. It's too dangerous. But he is doing it. Just not in this aspect, because you have to understand Tony Khan's wrestling philosophy. He grew up watching ECW. That was his favorite company. He grew up watching ROH. He, 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 and then you also have to understand the, the philosophy of wrestling outside of America is, uh, mo- for the majority's sake, I'm beat the right shit here. out of each other. I, 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 I'm going to sit here, and I'm gonna just going to stop you right here before we go on this tangent. I don't give a fuck about style. I just don't give a fuck. At the end of the day, I don't want to see someone die in the ring. Well, at at the end of the day, they're grown adults who have the con, who consent to the moves. They okay. consent to the risk. And construction, they consent. Okay, and construction workers are grown adults. But if they're misusing the ladder, their boss ought to reprimand them. Right. So, so, yes, there's a risk of being on the ladder, even if you're using it correct. But if you're being negligent and adding to the risk, you get in trouble. 
But is Kenny Omega being negligent? I think that's, I think, ultimately, I don't want to put it on Omega. I think the move in and of itself is stupid. It's a, it's a, you have to understand, they both come from the New Japan. Like I said, I don't give a fuck about style. That that move is a, is, means a lot because of Masawa. And And I don't give a fuck about that. That's the thing. You fucking marks think that people should care about that move because of the history in Japan. I don't give a fuck. If someone's going to die in the ring, ban the shit. That's just not how it is. If they, th- this is my philosophy. WWE, New Japan, AEW. Regardless, if you th- if you think you can do the move safely, which obviously they know they can because they've done it several times in the past, then the move should be fine because it's an entertainment source, right? Wrestling is an entertainment, and so you got to give the wrestlers what they came there for, and that's what they expect out of an and. Kenny Omega will Osprey match. And I'm sorry to break it to you, but when we get to Wembley Stadium, we're getting Kenny Omega versus Will Osprey again for the third time to end the trilogy. And so mm-hmm. we'll probably we're probably going to see the move again. And we're probably and you're and it's going to get a pop and in several months no one's going to give a fuck and Kenny Omega is going to have a compressed spine that maybe not now, but 10 years down the line is going to come back and bite him in the ass. And that is Kenny's decision that he gets to make. And I don't, the point I was trying to make before we we move on to my next topic, I don't want this thinking too much longer is he, it's his call. He's the wrestler. I'm not the wrestler. I'm the fan. My job as a fan is to cheer the, cheer the baby face and to boo the heel. Right. I I know you, First off, I agree with that statement. There is a responsibility of the crowd. But can we can we act like that's not... The IWC doesn't do that shit. How many times have the IWC booed the good guy and cheered the bad guy just because they want to... Uh, f- fuck! Fucking London crowds do it all the fucking time. They just cheer for their favorites. So let's not act like the IWC is actually using the responsibility of being a fan. The point that we're trying to get, and, and, and this is where I'll end it, if you're a fan of wrestling, that's fine. There are moves that are just dangerous. But then there are moves that elevate the risk that add nothing to the match. Those moves need to be used as little as possible because of the way physics work on the body. If you get dropped on your head, if you get dropped on your neck, if you get dropped on your shoulder, it all compresses the spine which is the most sensitive part of your body, and you fuck it up, you're paralyzed forever. There's no fucking fixing that. And that's the point we're trying to get across. If if I if it means that I don't get the that I don't get to see Kenny Omega get dropped on his shoulder, but I get to see him wrestle for 10 more years longer than he would have, I think that's a compromise me as a fan I'm willing to make. There's a reason Roman Reigns has never been injured. People can critique his move set all day long, but he does five moves and he only takes a certain type of move. And he's never really been hurt because he wants to protect his, his self, his moneymaker, and he wants to live a life outside of the ring where he can live to see his daughters grow up. And at the end of the day, if Kenny Omega doesn't care about that shit, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Honestly, I don't care. 
I just want to sit here and say, as a fan, I don't want to see anyone risk their life because they think I need to, need them to do it to be entertained. Because I don't. I just want to see entertaining stories be told. And that, again, and I don't want to bring it back up, but that's where we get into to style. And the but Japanese- it's not about style. You, you can continue to bring up style, but at the, but it's not. Wrestling is wrestling. No matter where you're at, at the end of the day, it's it's good guy and bad guy in a ring competing to 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 see who overcomes one another. But but the way of to which they get to that is different differs. In America, it's a battle of ethic and good versus evil. In Japan, it's not always a good versus evil story. It's it could just be two people who have a common goal, which could be I want to be the best in the world or I want to be champion, or whatever it may be. That's why you see just random pop-outs in the middle, and there's no development in the story, and you can get a title match in two weeks with no development there because the story in Japan is going to be told through the match itself, not through weeks leading up to the match. The match itself is the story. And so you have to understand that's where Omega grew up. That's where Osprey's been wrestling for several years now. That's how they're going to tell their story, and it's a battle of to the death is how the Japanese style works. And so I think until these, again, both the IWC and on the casual side, once they understand style matters. But the style doesn't fucking matter. At the end of the day, if you're elevating your risk and doing stupid shit, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see you get hurt in the ring. I don't want to see what happened to... L.A. Parka or La Parka. I don't know which one it is. They all, there's 18,000 of them in fucking Mexico. But he fucking topaid over the fucking barricade and broke his neck and died. I, there's no reason for that shit. There's just no reason for it. And so I guess then we'll end it here. If you don't want to see it, change the channel. But at the end, I get it. Because and, and it's I, I not guess going what? to change. It's not going to change. That's how so we it sit is. back and let them kill each other. If if they agree to it and consent to it, who am I to tell them that they shouldn't be able to do that? I mean, at what point do you just say, as a, for human decency and respect of life, let's not do that? And and it can change. You know how it does change? We stop cheering for the shit. If you give them no pop for the move, they'll say, hmm, they don't like it. Because here's here's how wrestlers think. Oh, they liked this move in this match. Now I got to go more extreme in the next one because that's not going to please them the next time. So now they're going to do more dangerous shit. And then we got to do more dangerous shit. And then we got people like Darby Allen who coffin drops for fucking no fucking reason and is going to be in a wheelchair in 10 years. Every fucking object you can think of, he's coffin dropped on. That that doesn't lead to the health of, of, of someone. But it is not me complaining. It's me saying, I care about your health. Just like I care about the health of NFL players. And and we should eliminate and, and, and do the best we can to limit hits to the head. And the NFL heard the fans complain about it, heard the players complain about it, and they do, did shit about it. But what, happened as, a, what, ha- what happened as a result of that? Leg injuries and lower body injuries spiked 
Okay, they, so we create a rule that you hit them in the chest and in the midsection where the body is able to take the hit. Yeah, yeah, we should outlaw hitting below the below the waist or below the thigh. No knee so, shots. And so, what happens when someone gets hit in the chest and the medical staff is in there quick enough, and then Demar the Demar Hamlin accident happens again? Okay, right. That's a one in a million chance of happening. And and there's there's a lot more technology we could use in terms of more advanced padding in the chest, which more than likely will be a role here soon. Um, a, a lot of the problems with the NFL comes in that, I mean, I'll use Adam Vinatieri. Wasn't at really much any risk because he was a kicker, but he wore his high school shoulder pads through college and through his entire pro career, regulate adult sized pro size gear and regulate it. Even if it means runners can't run four twos anymore, and now they're running four sixes, at least they're safe. We'll leave it there. Let's go to our next thing. I don't know if you personally have been paying attention, but there, in my opinion, is a a very over, very hot tag team starting up in AEW that kind of happened by maybe mere happenstance per storyline. And we kind of know where this is all going, but Adam Cole was paired up with Maxwell, Jacob Friedman and the blind uh, tag team tournament thing. Winner of this tournament were basically their tag team partners were chosen at random gets a tag team championship opportunity. But this, the segments from Adam Cole, the segments from MJF, during this time have been some of the most entertaining things on AEW television to the point to where I, I'm going to give my opinion here at the end. I want to see where you feel like, should this legitimately be a tag team or, or, or is this just leading to the inevitable turn and setting up a championship match at the end? I mean, it's clear what's fucking happening here. Um, yeah. It's just going to lead to a turn. But in the end, and this is my problem with tag team wrestling. If, if anyone knows anything about me, I'm not the biggest fan of tag team wrestling. Especially modern day tag team wrestling where you don't need to be a partner with someone forever. Like You, you know tag teams that I like? I like the Usos. Why? Because that's all they've done in their career is tag with each other. I like FTR. Why? Because they have chemistry. I don't like... WWE does it, especially with their women's tag team. And now this whole sort of blind whatever tag challenge where you just put two random people together who have no chemistry together in the ring as a team. And then you give them a, a, the winner of this tournament, a tag team opportunity as if it's, I just don't understand the appeal of this. So I don't have an opinion on whether or not they should remain a, a partner or a team or not. I don't actually give a fuck. I don't watch the show. I don't critique booking. If I don't watch it. My whole point is I just don't understand the need for promoters to just put random fucking people together and call them a tag team and then give them a title opportunity when there are established tag teams on the roster who have been tag teams for years who probably deserve that opportunity just as much. That's where I'll end it there. You can have the rest of the segment. And so my feeling on this storyline is I feel like the turn's going to happen pretty quick and we're going to get 
this match either at All In um, or All Out. My guess would be All In with the inevitable of MJF retaining against Adam Cole. And I think at that point is when CM Punk and Maxwell will set up a, a feud in Chicago to be who's the undisputed champion. That's just my thinking. But if if I got what I wanted, if I was Booker, I'm pushing this out as long as I can. This is truly some of the most entertaining things for the last two or three weeks that we have seen in pro wrestling. And the, the segment this past week when they went to the, the gym and were, were they both shared in their animosity of Tony Schiavone, just beautiful because there's so many layers behind it. Um, Adam Cole was, you know, started this beef with Shivani when he was in NXT and Shivani was like the best friend of Britt Baker. And that's kind of where it, you have to kind of understand the off screen shit to understand this stuff. Um, and so just this, st- the story being like Adam Cole is just trying to play with Maxwell, just go along with it. And he's not, he doesn't want to really be his tag team partner but you kind of can see him feeling sympathy or, or feeling like maybe the friendship's there. If if I was the booker, I'm dragging this out, passed all in, passed all out. Give me Adam Cole and MJF for the title at Revolution. Let this draw out. In fact, even give them the tag team titles at one of these shows and let them tag for a while because there's also this inner drama with Roddy Strong and Adam Cole, and have maybe it be a ruse to set up an Adam Cole and Roddy Strong tag team championship run. I don't know how they do it there, but I think we we need to have we need to keep this going because it's over. The fans love it. It gets it, it gets a lot of reviews. I think the segment, if if I remember correctly, it has uh, several million views on YouTube at this point in just a few days. And it's it's the biggest draw, I think, right now on AEW TV. We're kind of in this lag, trying to figure out what the all-in card's going to be. Um, and so I, I hope we get something there. But, yeah, this, this seems to be a legit tag team. And they, a couple months extra um, push it to Revolution or um, Full Gear and... I, I would be happy with that run um, with no, nothing else really needing to be said there. Let's go to our third and, and really final big point before we get to the new segment I want to introduce. Uh, AEW Collision, I think tonight was its fourth episode. So it's been on for a month. We'll see what the ratings look like. But they have progressively decreased from week one to week two to week three. And we'll see what week four looks like early next week. So my question is, would you consider Collision to be, at least in its early stage, a failure? Or should this be something that we had come to expect from a Saturday night wrestling show at this point in time? I'll give you the floor. Um... So first, I, I do want to preface, I don't watch Collision, so I'm not necessarily going to book or complain about the booking. From the business side, when you're asking if it's a failure, I think it's too early to put the failure tag on it. Um, 
but I will say this on my show after week one, because I did watch week one. So I did talk about it after week one. I gave this example. I've worked in the food industry several times. I've opened two separate uh, company franchises um, that I've worked for. You're in the rest in the food business in the restaurant business. Your busiest week is always week one. There's there's sort of intrigue around it um, and they promote the hell out of it. Just like Tony Khan promoted the hell out of week one of collision. What ends up happening, though, is you take your first week numbers in the restaurant business. Week one, you do one hundred and twenty thousand that week, which is a lot. That's fucking busy. Um you cut it in half, and that's what you're going to average around once the business draws down. That's what a normal week will look like. So if you did 120000 week one, you're probably going to sit around $60,000 each week once the the business sort of regulates itself. Same thing happens in, in the wrestling business. It's week one. Everyone's looking into it. I know a lot of casual fans, myself included, watched week one just to see what CM Punk was going to say. Um, and how, right. And I think week one was a winning formula. And, um, and so I think if they would have continued this path and sort of made it feel like the anti dynamite, um, and, and let's just be honest, week one was like 90% ex WWE guys, not a critique. I know a lot of people want to critique it. It's not a critique. It's what happens. Every company hires X other companies, uh, workers, but you had punk. You had uh, the House of Black. You had FTR. You had Andrade. You had Miro. This could have been your WWE-style show. And I, if, if it was me, I would have booked it that way. And I would have kept it, an independent roster that had nothing to do with Dynamite. I think it was Malachi Black. or Black. He said that he didn't want to be on Dynamite he, because he wanted people to to tune in if they wanted to watch house of black, they had to tune in on Saturdays. That's how they should do this. If you want to watch CM Punk's the same way for the most part, the problem that happened is they didn't keep it that way. Week two, you have the, and, and no, this is, I'm not trying to be offensive in any way. You had the Japanese motherfuckers who were fighting at forbidden door on collision. Keep that shit away from collision because if you, the casual fans who were watching for CM Punk and for Miro and for Andrade, they don't want to see that shit. They don't know who half those people are. Have a dynamite brand on Wednesday. Honestly, it's time to get rid of Rampage. Let's count that up as a failure. Have a dynamite brand on Wednesday. Have your collision brand on Saturday. You can intermingle them on pay-per-views where you have like, where they both are heading toward the same pay-per-view. And then it create a pay-per-view in and of itself, whether it's called like Battle of the Brands or something more, you know, dynamite and collision type, um, you know, explosive wording. I don't know if Battle of the Brands is copyrighted by anyone, um, but you could do something like that, that that could become your Survivor Series type pay-per-view event. And so at this point, I don't want to say it's a failure. I'll, I'll end it here. I don't want to say it's a failure. Because of the, the 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 slot that it's in Saturday night, especially during the summer, everyone's going to be outside partying at concerts at festivals, um, and no one's going to watch this live for the most part. 
And so for me, I set an expectation. Okay. They did what, like 900,000 week one. So I said, if they can keep it above 500,000 week in and week out, they're doing fine. That's the expectation though, is 500,000. If you get to rampage numbers and it's 390,000 viewers and that's it. Now you got to get worried. But at this point, I think it's too early to get worried about it. I just feel you lost a lot of the people who watched week one, who tuned into week two. They saw all the dynamite shit happening and they said, well, I don't want to watch this. And so if you went back to doing it, how you booked week one, I think you might have at least a, a, a part of the casual WWE only fan base who would watch at least just collision which could lead them to maybe watching dynamite in the future because of pay-per-views or whatever. I just, I just, that's, that's my only critique with collision at this point. I, I feel they need to, if they're going to separate the brand yet, the fully separated, I feel the same way about WWE. If you're going to have a brand split, you can't have Seth Rollins show up on SmackDown. Um, now they have a little caveat in there with these free agents coming to NXT that's understandable. It fits in the story. But like Seth Rollins going to NXT, I get why you're doing it. You're doing it for ratings. But if you're going to have a brand split, you have to have a brand split. So let's not try to play this illusion of brand split for any company. If you're not, But I think there should be a brand split on AEW where you have your collision guys, your dynamite guys, and maybe they can meet up in a Survivor Series style pay-per-view. Um, you have like what? 14,000 championships you could split them up you can have uh orange cassidy on dynamite you can have the tnt title i don't know who's who holds it right now uh is it still wardlow no no it changes uh, more than you it changes oh that's right he won it at the fucking pay-per-view um he can be on on collision or and, and and stuff like that. Jade, well, Jade's not even T or uh, TBS title champion anymore. Um, but that t- Statlander could be on Dynamite, and your women's champion could be on Collision, or the other way around. Or you can create a new women's title to put on, and, and that's the way that I would book it. Um, is to have that extreme brand split, where if you're on Collision, you're on Collision. So I could see that. I don't think it's fair to use ratings as a as the main factor on it whether something is a failure or not. I will say week I can't remember if it was the second week or the week I think it was week three when they did the taping in Hamilton yep. and they had like eight hundred tickets sold. That's a bit concerning. I think here here's how I look at it, and here's how I think Warner Discovery looks at it. They're getting basically the ratings that they they were expecting, I think. I don't think they were expecting to pop a million or plus, especially at this point in the year. And the the numbers are going to be just as bad and maybe worse as we move into August and September, October, November with college football and, and such on, on Saturdays and Saturday nights. Um, and so I think – I don't think they've really like over-exuberated – live ratings because I honestly don't think live ratings really mean much anymore in wrestling industry. That's why I, I, I used to be, 
and, and I'll, I'll take full responsibility here. When AEW first started, I used to be a ratings guy. Like, oh, hey, look, we hit 1.2 million or whatever. I've come to understand at this point in time, ratings don't really matter in terms of wrestling. It's, it's the only really rating and analysis that you really need to care about is the sponsorship demo, which is the 18 to 49 bracket. Can I pause for a minute? That's kind of, I hate, I hate, and I always bring this up. That's not the sponsorship demo anymore. Everyone looks at the 25 through 54 because most people who are being advertised to, who are actually watching cable television are older. They're in their thirties, their forties and their fifties. And that's why they created the 25 through 54 bracket because the 18 year olds, they're on their phones. They're watching on YouTube TV. They're going to get self-selected, uh, Google ads anyway, depending on their viewer history. So the cable networking programming, they look towards the 25. The Every other show outside of like sports or outside of wrestling, I, the key demo, you know, Colin, Colin Cowherd for Fox Sports has said the 25 to 54 is the most important. And I believe that is the truth, depending on what you're like, what you're watching. But for sports wrestling, I would say that 25 What's the average age of a, of a wrestling fan now? In their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. That's right. And, and to AEW's extent, Dynamite is destroying that demo as well. It's even higher than their 18 to 49. So I'll, I'll go to that point. So maybe that's the case. I've always heard the opposite. But even so, like – to your point, they're doing great in these key sponsorship demos. That I think Warner is put. They're really disappointed, I think, in this NHL expansion that they came in. Their NHL numbers aren't doing great, and I think the fact that they're pushing three three shows, five total hours of weekly television for AEW. They're they're creating a a mobile video game. Warner's building it, not AEW. Warner's paying for it, not AEW. Um, and they put AEW All Access on Max for uh, streaming. You, I think eventually they're going to, to probably run off of streaming numbers. And n- they're not really going to look at the live viewership. They're going to look at... Next day streaming, next day, you know, stuff on record. Um, and there's analytics that don't get released that I think they can they have access to, or they don't get released at least publicly, that the companies look at. And I, I think Warner is satisfied with what AEW as a brand is providing them. Um, I think another thing you look at is you look at when you go to TNT's Twitter page, their bio is Luchasaurus is our champion. You go to the TBS Twitter page, it says Chris Statlander is our champion. And so AEW is the A product for, for Warner, I think, at this point. Is there and anything else, though? They, well, they have, they have the NBA. They have NHL. And then, yeah, they don't have they, a but, lot of – But they don't, they, don't, they don't have the NHL. They, they have, like, one night. ESPN has the major deal, don't they? Um, they, I think they split the schedule, and then in the playoffs, 
uh, each brand, each company has one. Like uh, I think the Eastern Conference was on TNT, and the Western Conference was on ESPN or something like that in the playoffs or the NHL. But they they get they get. Um, but but what, what I was more so asking is in terms of like year long, fifty two year. Uh, because again, I don't consider. And maybe Warner does consider AEW part of their sports programming, but I would consider it more entertainment. And they don't have anything else on their major brand that they're original shows. That's why. Well, for, it, well, for TBS, they got Impractical Jokers, and they got Power Slap or whatever the fuck that is. But I mean, you're right; they don't have a whole lot of new entertainment, you know, programming like. I think shows have passed like Law and Order and like Rizzoli and Isles and all of them that used to be on TNT weekly. They're no, the, all they're showing is the reruns of them during the week. And so, but I think that's the point is that Turner is turning into a live entertainment spectrum. And so, you, uh, when your viewership for live entertainment is typically lower than most other shows, with the exception of the NFL, who has a monopoly on the market they'll always get 20 to 30 million people watching on a weekly basis their prime time live entertainment shows so like even like you know the, the big thing back in that in the 90s and early 2000s were people to go and watch like live concerts on on tv those nowadays don't even get ratings like they used to in the past and so live entertainment in general it's just not something that someone will, is going to sit and watch on cable. That they there's you can watch it next day. There's so many other ways to watch live entertainment than just on cable. So in my opinion, live viewership, ticket sales, all of that they play a part, but they're not just an end game to considering collision a failure. I think the only way at the end of the day that collision is considered a failure is if no one shows up to the arena and no one no one tunes in at any point their their live viewership is down and their next day viewership is down and their you know the streams on their social media platforms go you know through the toilet at that point maybe you can consider it a failure um, in terms of your point of making collision a a more secondary brand that was the biggest positive remark about week one was that it was you know the bigger beefier men doing less of the the, the spot fest and so everybody applauded them for that i think they also have a better uh commentary team on collision with nigel mcginnis and kevin kelly um that once they get their chemistry together they'll be a better commentary team it's it seems a lot slower than Excalibur just ranting through everything at the speed of well, at the speed of sound. If I can make, if I can bring a point to that, the thing about Excalibur that throws me off is he he comes off, and I don't mean any disrespect to him. He does a good. He's I honestly believe the best on that booth, but he comes off super nerdy, and so to a guy like me, he goes off and he names every single move. I don't give a fuck about that. This just explain the story. You don't have to go out there and scream every single move that's being done by name. And at some point it sort that sort of throws me off as you saying you're better 
than me. I don't know fucking names of moves. I just say, oh, what a move that that looked like it hurt. And he's out here naming the fucking move. I just don't think that for some, for at least for me, it comes off a little bit like, oh, I have more knowledge than than the rest of the world. So I'm gonna, and so you are correct that the commentary team, um, and again, this is no disrespect to JR. JR just doesn't need to be on a table anymore. Um, but Collision's commentary team, it felt, like I said, it felt more WWE. And maybe it's because both of them have worked for WWE before. It, and, and, and whether people like it or not, people who watch WWE and they're coming over, they want to feel famil- familiarity. And I think Collision could have been that for them that their WWE type branding where they could get the WWE guys fans to come and watch AEW and, and support the company, even if it is just the collision brand. I guess we'll have to see. I, I, I agree with you at this point. It is kind of early to make these assumptions. Um, I guess we'll have to see. Um, but you know me, I have to make this remark here. Um, they were promoting earlier this week that in a few weeks in Tampa, Florida, AEW Dynamite will hit its 200th episode. And who would have thought that just a few, three and a half years ago, everyone thought AEW was just a t-shirt company and they would have died out within a year. And here we are 200 episodes later. I think it's a big, hey, we're here and we're here to stay for, for good, for long, for long term. And it's a good thing for the wrestling industry because, as I have said before, I, there's a few events that if AEW hadn't existed, certain things in WWE would, wouldn't have happened. The the production, the last couple of weeks, I I have been really interested in the Bloodline story and Roman Reigns, and gen- it has been pretty damn convincing the last couple of weeks coming from me. That's like hell is freezing over. Um, and so, but WWE in general had to up their story story game because of AEW, in my opinion. That, that story was going to happen without AEW. It was maybe, already maybe. in progress before AEW started. I, I mean, no, literally, Roman Reigns came back October, September or October of 2019, beat The Fiend, and then the, that literally came out, and that started the story. So, um, yeah, but, but, but AEW as a company started several months prior, January of 2019. Yeah. So it, Dynamite started in October of that year, but they had three pay-per-views before, before the first Dynamite. Um, but anyways, and then just this, this past week of Money in the Bank, John Cena comes out and, and tries to get the crowd to applaud a WrestleMania event. Had they not, had AEW not had sold 78,000 seats? But, but, but not, I, need, I need to stop you right here. I need to stop this sort of wet dream that WWE is only doing this because we're doing Wembley. Let me actually tell you the facts. Last year, Clash of Champions, or, or Clash at the Castle, was supposed to be in London at Wembley Stadium. But the numbers weren't right. Cardiff offered more money. And WWE is going to take money when money is offered. So let's not start this wet dream that WWE isn't trying to book Wembley. If the numbers were right, Money in the Bank would have been in Wembley. 
I, I just I, I don't, don't like this. I wasn't I, I wasn't going to say that. I, I wasn't taking that point. It was they have to use Cena to be the the corporate guy. It was to, pandering. That's all that. That's all these international right, to pander to the are. fans. They wouldn't have pandered had AEW not had a a grip in true. the market at that point. That's not I, true. I, I, that's not true. England England was a pimple on the ass of WWE for years leading up to this, and now all of a sudden. They're going to have on the biggest paper, one of the biggest pay per views of their of their year, mentioning that they may get a WrestleMania, which probably isn't going. It's to fan happen. service. It's fan service. They did it at Backlash in Puerto Rico. That's what we all. That's what WWE and wrestling always does to the international crowd. It's fan service. Are they going to get a WrestleMania? Probably not. If they do, they're putting one hundred twenty thousand people in that fucking stadium. So I don't. 90. It only fits ninety. It fits ninety. Plus, they're going to fill the entire pitch. They'll have a set design where they can fit a hundred to one hundred twenty thousand people in there. I don't. I'm just tired of this idea that WWE is now only going to London, like they haven't been trying to do it. Like I said, it's a money thing. When other cities outbid, outbid London and London's not willing to put money towards it, you're not going to get events. Maybe so. I, I just I think I think wrestling in general, it's not just WWE, it's impact, it's it's everywhere has be, has hit the international stage because people have seen the success of Forbidden Door twice being AEW's top grossing pay-per-view of that year and of this Wembley show numbers doing great and, and like impact just did a stadium tour here's, the, here's, here's, the problem with me. Here, here's my problem with you saying that the Wembley are the Wembley numbers great absolutely but it's a one-off event so what in the end of t- at the end of the day you do this event you you gross the highest amount you've ever grossed in any event and then what happens it's a one-off event in London of course, it's going to sell out. Whether it's WWE, whether it's AEW, whether it's any other promotion, if you go overseas, you're going to sell out because they never, they don't get this level of production in the wrestling business. And so, yes, Wembley's going to sell out. No, if it's AEW or if it's WWE, I just every the, the sort of IWC argument is. AEW is the reason WWE is now going to London and considering them something. No, they go there every fucking year in some way, shape, or form. Most of, I get it. Most of it is house shows. But, I mean, at what point do, do you consider that maybe they haven't done WrestleMania, not because WWE doesn't want to do it, but because Wembley doesn't want to do it, or London doesn't want to do it, or they're not paying as much as a Tampa or a LA or a Philly or Minnesota who who really want it. And maybe WWE considers WrestleMania the biggest event as for an American company in wrestling and they want to have it in America. Because they're an American company mostly aiming towards an American audience. They want their people to go there. And I, I, I just don't like this idea that WWE is just now considering putting WrestleMania in London because AEW is doing the Wembley show. Most of, most people don't want to spend the money to book Wembley or don't have the money to book Wembley. 
But the, but does it not appear? I'm not saying that it is that way, but does it not appear that way? There have never appearances don't mean history. shit. It doesn't mean shit because we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Like I said last year, they were trying to book book London for Clash at the Castle, but Cardiff paid more. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Right, but there there's been no rumors, no nothing for for. Ever can we sit here and act life. like the dirt sheets don't care about WWE? The only dirt, especially if it's something that's beneficial to them, because the dirt sheets are aimed in, in a you know, at least to me, in an agenda to push AEW to be the better product. Uh, we'll have to agree to disagree on that point. Let's let's close it up here. Here's a new segment I'm going to start doing here, either by myself or if I have a guest, I'll I'll bring the guest into this as well. I'm a, I call it top things, and at the end of the day, it's I'm going to have us list the top, however many, of the specific topic that I came up with. In this case, the Topic for this week's episode for list number one to introduce it is the top five female wrestlers who have the most potential in the business. And what I mean by most potential is they're not the top star in their current company or any company in general, but I they, they have what appears to be the best potential to have a long, successful career and maybe be the top wrestler in the women's division for either their current company or a company in the future. And so we'll go with the top five. Um, I'll let you list your five first. Do you have five or more? Or more? I'll let you, I can't, I'll let you. I couldn't label it to just five. I have seven. All right. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you list your, your seven and then give your explanation form. And then I'll end it with my, my list. All right. Perfect. Um, now this is going to be super biased, but again, I can only judge what I watch and I can only critique who I know of. And so a lot of people are going to be like, well, what about this indie? Pro-? I don't watch the fucking indie. So how am I supposed to know they're, they're a thing? So yes, these are all WWE uh, people. So we'll start at the, now these aren't in any particular number uh, or order, but we'll start here with Zoe Stark. Um, <laughs> Zoe Stark is in her role right now. She's Trisha's sort of protege. She's going to get the big rub from Trish, which means that they see something in her. She's fantastic on the ring, regardless of what James says. She's pretty decent on the mic. She can give a good promo, um, a decent enough promo to, to sell a story. I think she has the potential to be. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold up. She can give someone with ADHD and put them to sleep. <laughs> That's about all she can do. Okay. Well, I think she has potential to be world champion. Women's world. I don't even know what the names of these new champions are. So then we got like women's world title. I don't even give a fuck. She's going to win a world title in the women's division someday. Um, now the rest of them are NXT. Either they just debuted or maybe they've been there. Some of them have been there for a while. So we'll start with Kiana James. I said at the end of last year, she's someone to look out for for 2023. Um, and I think she's still growing. She's still super green in the business. Of course, not having the wrestling background, having the more athletic 
a college athlete background. Um, so coming into sort of this entertainment sector, she has a good gimmick. I just don't think the booking is using it correctly. Um, on that same uh, aspect, her former tag team partner, Fallon Henley, has to be on this list. Um, I think I think she has potential. Um, the gimmick's great. She, I rank um, women's wrestlers how I would rank them. I have four criteria. Attractiveness, in-ring ability, promo ability, and then overall marketability. And I think Fallon Henley averages out at a five or six out of 10 overall um, through all of those categories. I think she's, she, she has potential. She is getting better. Um, we'll move on. Thea Hale, I think probably is the, for her age, fantastic. 19 years old. And she's, she, her promos are hard to rank because they're, they're, she plays the gimmick well, which is, is is why her promo ability to me is so good. She's able to play the gimmick that she's in very well. And again, at 19 years old, it's hard to critique someone's wrestling ability who's literally just graduated high school and they're still coming into their into their body. Um, but she's 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 fantastic. She's I think she has the most potential out of all of these on my list. My final three. Um. We'll have Kalani Jordan just debuted this week on uh, NXT, former gymnast. I love former gymnasts because they can do and move in the ring so well. On that same aspect, Sol Ruka, please come back. We, I miss you. Uh, I know you tore your HTL, so uh, get better. But and, and I recover well. But she... At one point in time earlier this year, was to me on the path of being the best woman on NXT, and then to end it out, her former tag team partner, or her, until she got hurt, Danny Palmer as well. Same thing with her. Just the athleticism, the ability to move in the room, in the ring, and, and to, and this is why I like um, WWE style of recruiting and getting athletes who have no wrestling experience and training them in the WWE method is athletes move better in the ring. I'm going to just use an example. Um, trying to think of someone who's not an athlete that wrestles um, on like the indie scene. Just think of your common, like nerdy uh, type, like cosplayer. Uh, can't think of one off at the top of my head right now. Um, there are some people who have no business being in the ring because they have no athletic ability whatsoever. And that's why I love WWE using athletes because you can train them how to, how to wrestle, but you can't train athleticism. If you don't have it, you don't have it. And there's just some people who don't need to be in the ring because I can beat them or, or so I just, yeah. So these seven, I think have that potential to be superstars in the next five to 10 years. Fair enough. We'll see. I think one or two maybe overlap. I'm not sure. Um, we'll start my list here. I do have mine in in an order. So we'll start from five and work our way up to one. Number five, I did have to go to the to the indie scene. And there's a lady out based out of, of I think, Buffalo, New York. Um, she runs... Every promotion from New York down to, like, Maryland, I think, at this point. 
And any match that I've seen of hers, I've just been amazed at how great she is in the ring. Granted, you know, it's not, she's not on TV. That might be the thing that she'd have to work on is working a live crowd on TV and doing promos and a set time. That's always the biggest transition for some of these indie people is actually putting it together in a pro- produced event. But uh, Courageous Christina Marie is number five on my list. Again, she just she has the look. She has the in-ring ability. And she I think she has the potential at some point, if she were to sign with a company, to, to be a big star for that company's women's division. The next four, uh, I've split them. Two NXT and two AEW wrestlers. My number four, well, let me, let me backtrack here. I want to give a shout-out. I didn't think about him until you just mentioned it. Uh, Kalani Jordan as well. I watched NXT this week, and I was actually thoroughly impressed with, with how she m- maneuvered in the ring, and um, she, she may be a top star here soon as well. Number four is an AEW wrestler that I think could be the top star if – if they just moved her out of the gimmick that she's in at this point, and that's Anna Jay. She has the attractiveness, as you've mentioned. She's one of the most attractive women in the in, in the AEW women's division. Um, was probably number one until the um, emergence of Sky Blue um, and her badonkadonk. But Anna Jay, she's she's decent on the mic. She's not perfect. She still has work to do in the ring uh, on that aspect. But she's one of the great, the best in-ring workers on the women's division for AEW that I've seen in quite some time. Um, And, again, I I just want to make this preference that it feels like AEW is only pushing the same six or seven women's wrestlers in their division, and there's so many more that should be pushed. For heaven's sake, Layla Hirsch made her debut after injury on ROH television, teaming up with Mike Bennett and Matt Taven for whatever goddamn reason. But I think Layla Hirsch should be on uh, Collision instead of ROH. That's just my opinion there. Number three, we'll go to NXT. Uh, At the young age of, I think only 20, Roxanne Perez. I've I'm I learned of Roxanne Perez when she was in ROH under the the name Roxy, and she worked really well with Diana Perazzo as a for quite a while. That's when she, I think she was like seventeen or eighteen at that point. But her her gimmick changed into Roxanne Perez in WWE. I think she's only twenty. She could be doing this for fifteen to twenty more years. Um, and maybe WWE's next generational talent, Booker T trained her. I got to say Booker T's training uh, is probably the best in the the industry at this point. He's really good at doing what he does over down there in Texas. Um, Number two. Just to pause, didn't he train Athena as well? I believe so. Yeah, okay. Um, Yes, I believe so. and then number two, I agree with you as well. Thea Hale is probably I let me let me just I hate the chase you gimmick. But Thea Hale no, makes it that no, it's it's fun. No, it's annoying, but Thea Hale is just 
entertaining enough that her loud screaming can be appreciative at this point. I think you have to find a gimmick for her that fits her. Maybe this, this fits her. And and maybe it does. I think, like you said, as she develops in the ring and, and develops her body in and of itself, um, and, and she'll, she'll be a better in-ring competitor. She'll be able to, I think at some point break away from this gimmick and, and be. Well, yeah. So, so this is, so this is why I like chase you, especially with it at NXT. First off, shout out to Andre chase, North Carolina legend as Harlem bravado. But, uh, with him being a veteran of the game, they could use chase you as sort of this. This is where the trainees go into. And then she can graduate college and get sent to the, the main roster where she can go off on her own. So I, I think that's the idea behind this gimmick. And, and so, cause even you had the Cavender twins on there a couple weeks ago when she won the number one contender match What's cool about that is they actually went to the the U Miami, so they could play play that into the faction as well when they do decide to come and wrestle. So I think the gimmick works for what it is. You're, you're right though; she does, she will need to expand out of this gimmick once she le- makes it to the main roster, because this doesn't work on the main roster. It doesn't at all. Right. So yeah, I, I think I think out of anybody that could develop out of this gimmick she's doing a damn good job where she's at and i think she'll have a hell of a career again she's young 19 years old so she can do this for 15 or 20 more years as well and then my number one is julia hart her heel turn to the house of black honestly sold me to the house of black i wasn't sold on the gimmick until um julia hart showed up and she joined the group. I wasn't sold on Julia Hart as this goody two shoes cheerleader with the varsity blondes. Um, and whatever when happened she, to them, by the way, Griff got hurt. He just made his debut, I think, on ROH or okay. So they're ROH, yeah. Um, but Brian Pillman, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> um, we haven't seen him in quite some time. Um, and but yeah, Julia Hart. I love her as a heel. She just has like the, the, I guess, bravado to play this character the way that she is. She's attractive and, and domineering and playing this like, heel role really suits her well. Um, I think she does need to develop in the ring. I've seen her at a, a live indie show in the ring and she's still kind of green. Um, but again, She's like 19 years old, and so there's a lot of time and patience you can put into a lot of these characters to give them the time to be the top guys. And um, so, yeah, that list there. Uh, as we get ready to close out of here, is there anything you want to plug or, or say before we, we get out of here? Um, yeah, the Slap and Meat Wrestling Podcast. It goes live on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And just search it. On Google, Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. It's only audio only, not on YouTube, but on every other main service. Wednesdays and Saturdays, they normally drop around 8 a.m. on those days. Um, and if you are a casual fan looking for a community to join, join the casual community YouTube page run by Notorious Nerdy D. You can like and subscribe there. 
Um, and then there's a link to the Discord page. Just a quick sort of forewarning. If you do join the Discord and you cause problems, we will kick you out. Um, we want to have a community that accepts all opinions, and we literally mean that, unlike the TikTok community. Uh, so... Um, yeah, if you are a casual fan who just sees the fun in wrestling, we want to have you in the Discord as we grow this community. We, we're going to start live streaming SmackDowns. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got for you. Alrighty, guys. Well, uh, as we close up here, make sure that you uh, subscribe to this YouTube channel, the Junkyard Media Group YouTube page. Go ahead and... Um, subscribe hit a like here join the comments i'd, I'd love to have a, a segment at some point where we read off some some comments or whatnot um and if you want to be a part of the podcast feel free to reach out to the the twitter page at junkyard mg um and other than that i hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend and uh until the next time uh this has been time in the junkyard.